So we're on lesson four, and the title of the lesson is God is Enough. The Psalms are Psalm 31 through 41, and again, they choose three to look at, and that is Psalm 32, Psalm 34, and Psalm 40. So, Lord, you are enough. And uh, sometimes we don't realize that, or we act like we don't. So we pray that as we study this, we will understand that you are enough always. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, it starts off with, skip Psalm 31, so you can read that on your own. Psalm 32, section A, is the blessedness of the forgiven. And I can start off reading that one. Uh, 32, 1 through 11. So, a psalm of David, a masculine. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness, shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Okay, so how does that psalm make you feel? Yeah, that psalm um, Thomas Edison was quoting as he died. Not Thomas Edison, Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton, I'm sorry. I have this uh, this thing, Ray, Ray Comfort puts it out, and he has like sayings of people as they're dying. It's very interesting. So anyway, that's what Isaac Newton was saying. Because he was a believer. So verse 4, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So who can recall the relief of forgiveness after sin? How you felt oh, when you were forgiven happy. for sin. Blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Just relief, right? There's just re relief. Yeah. So this is what is made available to us by what Jesus has done. So then how do you get this relief? Verse 2 tells us, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So the second part of that verse is how you get it. 
Your spirit can't have any deceit. So what does that mean? That means that you have to admit it. You know, you have to admit that, yes, I have sinned. <laughs> you know, if you keep saying I have not sinned, that is a sin. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I've known people like that, that where they would refuse to admit uh, sin. So what is required to to get forgiveness from God is confession. That is First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so when you admit your sin, Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness at that time. You know, sometimes I think we sin and we don't realize it. But he'll cover that too. So you want, you want to have a spirit in which there is no deceit. And so, you, you know, you're honest and, and let the Lord know when, I mean, that you realize that you've sinned. So verses 3 and 4, this is what happens when you don't. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. So God is not impartial to this because God knows when you sin if you confess it or not. And if you don't confess it, then, yeah, it sounds like uh, in David's case here, there was physical results. It says his body wasted away. His vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. You know, and there's psychological problems. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. So you feel like, you know, everything's against you. Um, and, you know, if you know the Lord, then you're kind of waiting for the hammer to drop. Because you know that he won't let you get away with it forever. <laughs> so um, we want to be quick to confess when we have sin. So verse 5 they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. So this is, I'm sorry, that was Psalm 34. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity. I did not hide. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so that is kind of a reiteration. The Lord will always forgive with confession. Remember, the only sin the Lord will not forgive. What is the sin the Lord will not forgive? Right, which is the refusal to believe in Jesus. The first century Israel had a special case of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit where they saw his miracles. They saw that his message went along with the Old Testament scriptures and they attributed his miracles to Satan and uh, said he was demon-possessed, and that's why he had miraculous powers. And that was a special case of the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was, you know, empowering him, and of course he has got himself to do these miraculous things. Um, but for us, 
the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is convicting every single person to believe in Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does to the unbelieving. Right now? He's doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he always does a good job. And so the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit nowadays would be to refuse to submit to that conviction. So, and then you'll never get the relief. You'll never get the relief. Verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. So when can God be found? Anytime you're alive. <laughs> yeah. God, you know, salvation is open and forgiveness of sin is open for the believer as long as you're alive. That's when God can be found. As the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if you're alive and, you know. Well, verse 7 goes along with that. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. So if you're in fellowship with the Lord, what is that? That means you're submissive to what he wants from you. Then he does protect you, you know. The Lord does bring trials upon us for our growth, uh, but he protects us through it. Yeah, the confessed sinner can hide in God. Then verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So this is for the person who is, again, has confessed their sin and they're back in fellowship with God. If you're in sin, God really can't instruct you because you refuse to, there, with this issue that you're in sin about, you, you know. The Lord gives you more insight as you follow him. So, but if you're in willing, you know, he can instruct you. But he says, verse 9, do not be as the horse or as the mule. In other words, the Lord doesn't want to have to beat you to, do, to get you to do what he wants. It says, verse 8, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And, you know, he counsels us by the scriptures. So we look at the scriptures, he gives us the directions, and we follow it. So we, we need to stay close to the Lord to get his instruction. So verses 10 and 11, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. That's the Hebrew word, hesed, loving kindness covenant kindness so it doesn't doesn't quit be glad in the Lord and rejoice you righteous ones and shout for joy all you who are upright in heart so when the fellowship with the Lord is restored that brings joy joy and the Lord wants us to shout for joy so anything about that psalm? Psalm 32. That's why we want to keep short accounts. My old pastor down in El Paso talked about that a lot.
keeping short accounts with the Lord if you sin. Hopefully over time we sin less, but we will not become sinless. Yeah. So the quarterly then skips Psalm 33. So I, I wrote down some verses that I thought were good out of Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. So there is creation. Creation is by the word of the Lord. Verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. So this is, you know, directly to Israel because he chose Abram when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans to form a nation from him. Uh, but I think it can be applied to our nation. Uh, however, you know, we'd never had a covenant from God like Israel did, but we did have a covenant to God. That was the Mayflower Compact, where we said, we're going to be faithful to you. The pilgrims did, and we want to spread the gospel on this continent. And I'm sure that's why the Lord has blessed us up until this time. But currently, our nation has turned away from God. And, you know, we don't have the promise from God that he will maintain us throughout our sin like Israel has. And so I think that's why we're falling into disrepair our our nation right now. So and then verse 16 through 18 of Psalm 33. This is a good thing to remember. The king is not saved by a mighty army. The warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, and those who hope for his loving kindness. So the Lord will protect you. Um, physical things will not protect you. We can see that by Ahab and what happened to him. He went into battle. He tried to hide himself. Uh, to protect himself, and a random arrow went through a chink in his armor and killed him, because that was the Lord's design at that time for him. So so the next one we're going to look at is Psalm 34. Who wants to read that one? Okay, thank you. So yeah, the title of this section is The Lord is Good. Psalm 34 is what's called an acrostic psalm. And so each verse is a sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, psalm, psalms 9 and 10 were like that too. It's probably a way to memorize memorize it. So and we know Psalm 119 is an acrostic psalm. So verses 1 through 3... Look when he did this at the beginning, a psalm of David when he feigned madness 
before Abimelech <laughs> drove him away and he departed. And, you know, we have a an account of that in the historical book in Second Samuel. I think it's Second Samuel. You know, where he's slobbering into his beard and all this stuff and acting crazy. Uh, and, and the head of the Philistines in Gath said, get this guy out of here. <laughs> and that is when he was writing the psalm at the same time. So I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So what is David saying here? How often is he going to bless the Lord? All the time. This is going to be a life of praise. A life of praise. Yeah. Yeah. So continuously praise the Lord. And you know, praising the Lord is very encouraging to you when you do it. Um, you know, I have a little hymnal up in my bed, up in our bedroom. And uh, you know, I'll usually sing a hymn in the morning, once in the morning. Makes you feel good, <laughs> you know? And uh, so, yeah, we want to be people of praise. And that's what David's saying. Continually praise the Lord, and he also encourages others to do so. He says, My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. And verse 3 is, Magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So he's encouraging others to praise the Lord with him. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing to do. Then he switches to prayer in verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. I'm assuming those are people who prayed, and he answered. Um, that is very encouraging. When you pray and the Lord answers, the Lord can deliver you from your fears. Remember, that's that's what the Lord is training us to do, to be fearless like Jesus is. Yeah, the Lord is with you when you're in fellowship with him. Um, you know, he's with you when you're out of fellowship with him too, but you don't uh, sense it. You don't sense it, you know. When you're in sin, you're out of fellowship with him. You feel like like our psalm last week, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, he's right there. He's not God anywhere. Uh, but you don't feel it. You know, he can make you feel it. So, so then verse 6, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. What does godly mean? What is a godly person? Yeah, somebody who who acts like the Lord is there. A lot of people act like the Lord is not there, you know. Um, so a, a godly person is one who pays attention to God. You know, you pay attention to God. So to seek God. 
for those who seek him must believe that he is, you know, and he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So, yeah, a godly person believes that God is and acts on that. Then verse 6 says, Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach you. So um, you're saved from trouble. Verse 7, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. And you surround me with songs of deliverance. Yeah, I was looking for this verse, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Yeah, so the angel of the Lord, who is the angel of the Lord? He's a special angel. He's an angel who is God. He's the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt as a pillar and as fire. He's the one who talked to Hagar in the wilderness, angel of the Lord. He was there in the book of Judges. It's Jesus. Yeah, the angel of the Lord is Jesus. So so the angel of the Lord Jesus protects, protects those who revere the Lord. And then taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Right. You try it out. Yeah, you try out discipleship and see how it goes. And you will see that it's good. You know, you try following him. Verse 10 is interesting. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So I have a commentary Dane lent to me. It said, you know, young lions do things on their own. That's what the commentary said. Young lions do it themselves. Yeah, and sometimes that's not enough when you do it yourself. But if you seek the Lord, you will not be in want of any good thing. The Lord will supply you, you know. Don't don't try to do it yourself. Lean on him. Then verse 12, Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? course, who, who doesn't, you know? That's kind of the goal of life. Who loves length of days that he may see good. You know, without the Lord, life is kind of pointless. You know, that's what all the atheists rail about all the time, the pointlessness of life. You know, you know what difference does it make? Existentialism. That's right. Is this all there is? Or, you know, so, but we know that the point of life is to know God and to, and to please him, to praise him, to worship him. That is the point of God, to glorify him. And you never get tired of it. And it does give purpose to life. So verse 13 and 14, so this, these are some things that you can do. Keep your tongue from evil, 
and your lips from speaking deceit. The Lord is very concerned with our speech. You know, that's James chapter 3. Is, uh, tells warns how speech can really, you know, it says it's set on fire by hell, your tongue, if you don't, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to guide it. So we want to keep our tongue from evil, and we don't want to speak deceit. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry, so he is listening to us. He is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Of course, you know, if they turn to him, he won't. They can reverse that situation. So in verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So prayer is important. Yeah, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yeah. Verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. Paul said, Through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. That's true, because we are in a war, spiritual war, as believers. Verse 20 is a prophecy, isn't it? He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. That can be applied to Jesus. So that's Psalm 34. The next psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 40. I didn't look at other verses because I wasn't sure how much time we would have, since we always run out of time. So Psalm 40, this is section C, Firm Footing and a New Song. Uh, it's for the choir director, a psalm of David, so I'll read, read verses 1 through 10. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. It's all very comforting stuff, isn't it? 
So verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. You ever waited for the Lord? Seems like we spend a lot of time waiting for the Lord. I've been waiting for the rapture all my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and I might wait through my life. I don't know. Um, so it's in his timing. It's in his timing, yes. A lot of things are that way. Yeah. A lot of things are that way. This is not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, is it? No. Pull, you, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, that's kind of the American way. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but... Um, yeah, just suck it up and take care of it. Yeah, but no, that's fine. You know, outside help is required, and the outside help comes from God. So, verse four: How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. You know, sometimes. We don't, the Lord is not being quick enough for us, and we turn to other sources of power. You know, that the kings of Israel were very bad about doing that. They would turn to Assyria, or they would turn to Egypt, or something like that, when they needed to turn to the Lord. And that usually, almost always leads to trouble. So how you're blessed... If you made the Lord your trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood, depending on others does not bless you. Depending on the Lord does bless you. So verse 6 says, Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. Now, that is really not true because the mosaic law prescribes these things sacrifices and meal offerings so what is he saying here sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired my ears you have opened burnt offering and sin offering you have not required but the mosaic law does require those and this is written under the mosaic law I think it has to do with priority, you know, priority. What the Lord desires more, because burnt offering and sin offering, sin offering in particular, is for sin, is for forgiveness of sin. You know, if you sin, you take your sin offering to the tabernacle or to the temple and you offer it, and the Lord will forgive your sin based on that, ultimately based on Jesus' sacrifice, which was in the future at that time. But he's saying it would be better if you just listened to me and did what I said, and then you wouldn't need the sin offering, you know. Um, I think that's what it's saying there. But this is a prophecy of Jesus here also. Verse 7, Behold, I come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, your laws within my heart. And with Jesus, he did it perfectly. He never needed a sin offering. 
Yeah, so we want to delight to do God's will. And I have written down here Hebrews 10, verses 5 through 10, which is really a kind of a quote. So this is the author of Hebrews using that same psalm. It says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, Jesus, he says, Sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me, in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, Sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. So that's talking about the change in law with Jesus' change in priesthood from the Aaronic priesthood to the priesthood of Melchizedek. So do we delight to do God's will? Sometimes. We try. Sometimes we kind of chafe at it, you know. But I think as you grow you delight in it more and more. So verse 10, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. So it, he's saying he's not keep, keeping it secret. Christianity is the op opposite of a secret society. You know, I've been watching some, some broadcasts on Freemason, Freemasonry, and they have, you know, they ha take a blood oath not to divulge the secrets of the society. Well, Christianity is the opposite of that. You are to broadcast it. Yeah, no, they're, they're, the oaths they take are blood, they're, they're gross. Yeah, Freemasonry is bad stuff. So, where was I? Verse 10, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth. From the great congregation, you, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. So it's good to tell of God's faithfulness to others. Okay, so section D, a prayer for deliverance. Somebody want to read the rest of the psalm, which is 11 through 17. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's we want that very often, don't we? Do not delay. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we'd rather you don't wait, Lord. Please do it right now. And sometimes he does. So verse 12, For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. So the evils beyond number are due at least partially to his personal sin. He's admitting here. My iniquities have overtaken me. And, you know, sin kills, and so that's why we want to repent and turn back to the Lord. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help. 
Yeah, this is another one where he wanted his prayers answered quickly. Um, yeah, and I like my prayers answered quickly too, Lord. Sometimes he doesn't. Verse 14 and 15, let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. So this is another example of kind of an imprecatory prayer, isn't it? He's praying a curse on his enemies here, which we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for our enemies to be blessed, for salvation to come to them. Um, I think we can pray for protection from our enemies, um, but we don't want to curse them, which sometimes we tend to do. And verse 16, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. So that made me think of the verse, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And let me just read that and then we'll be done. And they're not chasing us out now, which is the first. Jeremiah 9, 23, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and know, knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. That's what we want to boast in. So, Lord, we thank you for these psalms. We... Pray that we would be people of praise and people of prayer, as this, these psalms exemplify. In Jesus' name, amen.